0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I'm excited about what I want to speak to you about this morning because we've been talking about the fact that God is moving into a new season and God is looking for us to be a part of that new season and He's going to extend an invitation for us to be a part of that new season. But if we start talking about that, It it really is helpful helpful for us to start to give some definition as to what it is that he wants to do and how is he going to do it. What is it that I need to partner with in order to step into what God is wanting for us? I'm going to read a passage. I had such a hard time yesterday because usually I spend time during the week. And so I have an idea as to where we're going on a Sunday. I might not know the detail, but I I get there. But at least I know. And I thought I knew where we were going and then everything changed yesterday. And so I thought I really knew where we were going. But then just as I thought when I got there, all of that changed again as well. So then I ended up and Sarah went out with Vivian the entire day. And she got home at five o'clock and she said, how was today? And I said, it was frustrating. And, she's, and she said, well, what, what did you do? And I said, nothing. <laughs> I got the end of the day and I got nothing done. And it's not for lack of trying. I couldn't get there. And anyway, I have to have a word with God because he decided that four o'clock this morning was the right time to give me direction. (laughs) And I need to explain to him there is a day previously that you can kind of make things a lot easier. (laughs) Anyway, so this is where we're going. If you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22, everybody knows this parable. If you've never even been to church, you know this parable. Actually, not a parable, it's a story. But I, wanted, I want to approach it from a different perspective. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. There are a lot of different ways that you can approach the story um, and, and what happened. And what I want to do is, I want to approach it from a slightly different angle. I'm going to start off today, and then I'll finish off next week because I can't get it done in a week. But I want to talk about the people in the boat. People want to focus on the storm and there's something to be said about the storm and people want to talk about Jesus and Peter. And all of those things have pertinence and reference to where we are. But I want to approach the story from the perspective of the people in the boat because I think it has importance and significance for us in terms of where we are and where we're going and the choices that we have to make. The people in the boat and what qualified them to be in the boat was the fact that they were disciples. They were disciples. These were not random people that arbitrarily just came together and were like, we're going to the other side. These were people, and what the stipulation was in order for you to be in that boat is, you had to be a disciple. Jesus got his disciples together, he put them in the boat, and he said, you're going to the other side. And off they went. It becomes important to us and it becomes significant when we start to have a look at it because we start to have a look and we start to think about who these people were and what it was that they were doing. These were not people in the boat who were unqualified. These were not people in the boat who had no knowledge of who God was and who Jesus was. These were the people who were in the most intimate space of where Jesus was. They walked with him. They talked with him. These are the people who saw him do the miraculous. These are the people who sat and listened to him give parables and even when they didn't understand it, approached him afterwards and said, we didn't quite get that, can you explain it to us? These are people who knew God, and they found themselves in the boat. Now, there's something interesting about this, is that very often when people talk about this story, what they like to focus on is they like to focus on the boat that was out in the middle of the storm. And I understand that, and I understand the significance of that. But before we ever get to that space, you do realize that in verse 22, it says, And Jesus immediately put the disciples in the boat. And Jesus said, You're going to the other side. These are not people who found themselves in a predicament, and they didn't know what was going on. Simply, haphazardly, I believe that there was intention behind what was taking place. There was intention behind it. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. And Jesus said, It's important for you to be in this boat and to move forward. Why? What was he doing? I believe that God, what Jesus wanted to do was Jesus wanted to introduce them to a reality and introduce them to an understanding of who they were that they were never able to get simply by walking around with him. There are certain things in life that we gain as a result of an an encounter, not simply because we have a knowledge and an understanding of things. You see, Jesus put them into the boat, but Jesus would be the one who would invite them out. The invitation would be extended to everybody, but they would have to make a decision about who was going to take him up on that and do something with it. He put them into the boat and they were going somewhere. It's important for us to understand in our walk with God that most people are a church And most people navigate their lives because we have an interest and we want to know more about God. We're trying to understand what God is doing and where he's taking us. And he's using the word and the Holy Spirit to give us direction in our lives. The thing about it is, it's important for us to understand that God is going to take us on a journey so that we become people who are conformed to his image and what it is that he wants to do in our lives. The invitation that God is always going to extend to us is not simply to know the word, but to be able to interact with the word and to be able to encounter the word. When they stepped into the boat, what they got into the boat with was an understanding and a knowledge of who Jesus was, of everything that they had witnessed. But when they found themselves in the middle of the lake and Jesus was approaching them, the invitation was into an encounter with what they knew. He was going to extend an invitation for them to begin to experience for themselves what it is that they knew. I believe that 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 is the place that God is taking us. The place that God is taking us is we have a lot of people who are sitting in the boat. We have a lot of people who know God. A lot of people who understand God and the things of God. The the problem is that we haven't been to a place where we are encountering God. We are interacting with the things of God. And the invitation is for us to be people who are activated and alive. He doesn't want to leave us where we were. He wants us to be people who are alive unto him and experience what it is. That his word says. Why is there purpose to that? The reason is because he's doing something on the inside of us and he's going to make his, use his word to change and to transform us. when they found themselves out in the middle of the water. What is interesting for me is the fact that the invitation and the opportunity was available to all the disciples to step on the water. Anyone could have done that. But Peter was the only one who said, let me come to you. Peter was the only one who said, let me come to you. What qualifies us to be in the boat is the fact that we have a knowledge and an understanding of the word. But the degree to which that word has influence in us is what gives us the opportunity to step outside of the boat. What is the word doing in your life? What is the word doing and in what way is it touching and transforming you? That becomes the the key aspect of what is taking place and what God wants to do. If you turn and you have a look at James chapter 1, verses 22 and 25, it says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this one will be blessed in what he does who is the perfect law of liberty jesus Jesus is the perfect law of liberty. What he's saying to us is this. I'm going to introduce you to an idea about who you are, but I'm going to extend an invitation to you. And the invitation for you is to step out and act on the word that I'm extending to you. I want you to do something on that word. Why? Because the reason that you do that and the reason that you step out on the word is it begins to change and it begins to transform you. It begins to make you new and makes you a new person. The problem with it is too many people who are sitting in the boat understand the word of God, we hear the word of God, we think the word of God, but it doesn't make us who we are. It's the perfect law of liberty that says when you have a look at who you are and what you're all about, you're going to see some things in yourself that sits and says, I don't like who this is. There are limitations and inhibitions to who I am. But when I look to him and I see who he is, he is the perfect law of liberty that says, I want to show you what truth is in that situation. And I want you to step into something new so that it becomes something which is a reflection in your life. It becomes something which is alive on the inside of you. It's not a thought that I Think about it becomes something which is a defining element of who I am. The perfect law of liberty is designed to transform you. Why? Why do I forget those things? Because it's part of what I've heard about. It's part of what I heard at launch. Pe- most people, I, I love you all to bits, but you know what? Most of you on Tuesday won't be able to tell me three things that I told you today. <laughs> Why? Because you're looking in a mirror right now and you're listening and you're saying, oh, I like that idea and that's quite a good one. But come Tuesday, it's gone. What happened? Unless it actually changes me and transforms me, what ends up happening is it's fleeting. And what God's saying is, my words are not designed to be fleeting. My words are not to be designed to be something that gets you excited in the moment, that sits and says, this is potential and this is what it can be. The words that I'm giving you are designed to be transformational in your, in your life. They decide they're designed to change you and make you somebody else, they're designed to conform you to his image. Why, because I live from who I am, not just what I think. And so, we find ourselves at an interesting place because I think that the world, the the, the church universally, we've had many people. And we still have many people who are sitting in the boat. And we're moving to that place. We're moving to the middle of the lake. And there's storms happening. You want to talk about global turbulence? National turbulence? But the invitation is going to be extended. The invitation is extended to the church. Who is the church made up of? You. You. If you have the life of God on the inside of you, you are part of the church. What he's saying to you is this. I'm tired of a church who understands and has fleeting thoughts about who I am and what we should do. I'm tired of a church that sits there and says, what are we looking forward to what it's going to look like? And I'm looking forward to getting to the other side. What he's saying is the invitation that I'm extending to you is step out onto the water in the middle of the storm. You can do it, not because of who you are, but because of who he is and because of the invitation that's extended to you. Why? He's wanting to change who you are and the way that you live because it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. The place that we're at, I believe universally as a church, Is that point of decision where the invitation is going to be extended and we're going to have to make a decision about whether I'm prepared to step over the boat and onto the water or whether I want to stay like the rest of the disciples in my safe place. I will tell you that if you want to step over the side of the boat, it will be risky. You see, the safe place is the boat. Because it's in the safe place called the boat that's been defined by my history and where I've been. I'm comfortable in the boat because I used to be a fisherman. And I know when you're out on a storm, the best place to be is in the boat nobody in their right mind steps outside of the boat in the middle of a storm my logic tells me to sit down everything on the inside of me says stay where you are because it's safe but the invitation exists do you want to come We have a choice to make. Why? Because he says if you don't step over the edge, you will never be amazed. It's one of my favorite scriptures nowadays. John chapter five, verse 20. You can live in the security. You can live in the comfort. You can live in the, your history and everything that's been defined by sitting in the boat. Or you can be amazed. But you will never be amazed sitting in the boat. People who sit in the boat, sat and talked amongst themselves about, see him, he got out of the boat. See him, he walked on water. People who sat in the boat got back to the shore and they said, you'll never believe what happened to Peter. Peter. But they never say, let me tell you what happened to me. Got a choice to make. Do you want to be amazed or do you want to be secure? If we want to be amazed, it's important to understand that God is going to do something in us to change who we are. Because it's not about me and it's about him. It doesn't mean that you don't count or you are insignificant. He loves you and he wants to work through you. And so he's going to do something on the inside of you to live in the expectation of him doing something through you. But we don't always think that way. Why? Because we have parts to who we are that are incongruent with where he is. And so he's always inviting us to discover him. I'll tell you why it's important. You see, your purpose is not so much a function of what you do. Your purpose is an extension of who you are. The reason that we're so unfulfilled in life is because we're not at that place where we really have truly walked into who we are. But when we walk into who we are, all of a sudden I see purpose everywhere. Why? Because it's not that I'm trying to be intentional about it. It's just who I am. Sarah is a creative person. As a creative person, what ends up happening is your creativity is always looking for opportunities to express itself because it's who I am. So when she wakes up in the morning, she says, who wants to wear blah when you can wear exciting What if we put this with this? What if we put that with that? Why? Because I'm creative and I don't like to be boring. And so I look for ways and I sit and say, in my wardrobe, I'm giving expression to who I am because it's about what I like. It's who I am. And when people see me, they go, "Ooh, she must be creative. She wakes up and she says, let me go outside and let's change the garden. Why? Because it's creative, and she's sitting saying, "Well, I can see how that goes, but what would happen if a tree was put in there? And what would it look like in 20 years, time when Vivians get, 25 years' time when Vivian's getting married? Maybe 35. Why? Because crea- it's who I am. It looks at the space and it says, "Change the space, because I can make it more exciting." You get into the kitchen and you say, "Who wants functional food?" Who wants fast food? Because I'm creative. What could we cook up tonight? What would it be? You don't know what you're missing out on because you don't live in my house. Because I'm creative. And it's looking for expression in everything. Why? It's not because I'm trying to do that. It's because who I am. When you discover who you are as a son and a daughter of God, your life will change. Not because you're trying to be holy, because you're living as a son and a daughter, because you know what it is to live as a king's kid. I live in different expectations. I see things differently. I live in anticipation of changing certain things because I'm a different person. When he changes you so that we become conformed into his image and we begin to look like him and we begin to feel like him and we begin to see like him, we live in the anticipation and expectation of my world changing. Why? Because it's who I am, not what I'm trying to do. We think that my life will be fulfilled and my life will be complete when I realize purpose, which is true. But the problem is our definition of purpose is we think if I reach that single pinnacle of achievement, the greatest baseballer, the most successful business person, the most accomplished politician, We think of life in terms of achieving a pinnacle. But what I would suggest to you today, that purpose is not found at a point. Purpose is found every day. You see, purpose, when you understand who you are, is discovered in the most unexpected places. In Walmart. In the gym. Everywhere you go, all of a sudden, there is something that I see and I think, it needs to change. Why? Because of who I am. So what ends up happening is, my life moves to a place where I'm intentional about looking for opportunities and ways to introduce people to an encounter with God. I'm looking for opportunities to invite people to step onto the water. So Lorna goes to the gym. And she's at the gym, and she's, this is, this is my version of the story, it's probably not her. And she's doing her thing, and she's working out, and she's focused on her body, and she's there. And the next thing the Holy Spirit says, see that guy over there? there. No, it wasn't you, Rafa, it was another guy. <laughs> And the Holy Spirit says, see him over there. I want you to go and tell him this. Three little words. What are the words? Lord, that's for you. What were the words? Oh, sorry. You never even got three words. You got two words. The Holy Spirit said, go and tell him he is a good son. And she's like, Lord. <laughs> How about a few more sit-ups? <laughs> Really? If you want to live the life, it's a risky business. What will you think? What if it's wrong? And so she went up to him and she said, Listen, this is my paraphrase version. I'm just a born-again believer. And I, this is one, And you know what? I just believe that God wanted me to tell you something. And he just said to you, he wanted me to tell you that you're a good son. I wish you all the best. Have a great day. I'm <laughs> hoping nobody's watching as well. And he looked at her. And she's like, what? She turned around and she walked off. And off she goes. And he comes running after her. <laughs> And he says, (laughs) now. And it opens up a whole big discussion. Because he was all all of a sudden unveiled and he's prepared to share his heart. And he says, I'm telling you stuff I didn't even tell my wife. Wow. Because I discovered purpose. (laughs) Because I recognized every day. I'm aware of the fact that I have someone on the inside of me who's always inviting me into encounters, inviting me to step over the edge of the boat, who's inviting me to that place where he sits and says, do you want to walk on the water and be amazed? And so we have a decision to make. to stay in the boat or whether we want to be amazed. It's important to understand how God wants to work with us because he, walks, he works through his word and it's really important that we understand what the objective of the word is because if we get it wrong what ends up happening is we start pursuing the wrong things. You see, God's intention was never that his thoughts would be limited to a book. God's intention was that his thoughts would be wrapped in flesh. And made evident to the world. His intention was, I'm looking for the word to be made flesh. And to be evidenced to everyone around It makes it living. What he's saying is, be careful when you go into the gym. Because when you go in there, you may encounter somebody who takes who I am and speaks it to you. You may encounter in Walmart somebody who comes up and out of their compassion begins to pray for you because of who you are and what it is that you're struggling with at that moment. What am I doing? I'm encountering the living word as opposed to listening to a story from Jesus. A story about Jesus. We want to replace the living word with stories about Jesus. And he's inviting us to a place where he sits and says, You need to have the story you need to have some understanding you need to have an understanding of who I am and what I'm all about that becomes consequential and becomes important because it gives you a paradigm into which you know I live but the problem with it is is I don't want you to live there because it's not the destination of the word the destination of the word is not your thoughts the destination of the word is your transformation 2 Corinthians chapter 3. While Don is talking. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verses 2 and 3, it says, We are to be living epistles written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is of the heart. What he's saying is, my word is to become flesh in you. And as a result of becoming flesh and defining who you are, where you go, you're going to discover purpose. And every time you discover purpose, we're acting out of word that's become flesh. Every time I see an opportunity, the, uh, the, the invitation that is extended is, would you like to interact with the word? Would you like to have an encounter with God? Come with me and step on the water. That was the intention of the word. In Genesis chapter 2 and 3, we have a man who's sitting saying, I want to be more like God. What do I need to do to be more God-like? But the story we have in Jesus is a God who says, I don't want you to be like me. You see, I love you so much. And I love your existence so much that I'm prepared to pour myself out into you. I'm prepared to pour myself out into you. John chapter 12 and verse 24. Quick on the draw there, Donna. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He's talking about himself. This is Jesus. What he's saying is, I'm looking forward to an inheritance. What he's saying is, I can do everything Myself here in the flesh. But that's not my intention. My intention is to go and to die. Because if I die, it creates an opportunity for my life to be deposited and to be realized in a multitude of different grains. And all of a sudden, I can fill the earth in an abundance of different ways and different expressions and different forms and different personalities. You are part of his inheritance. When you have the life on the inside of him, of you, what he's saying is, my life is in there for a reason. My life is in there for a purpose. Let's see what it can do. It's part of the investment that he's made. I love you so much. I'm going to pull my life out into you. You know why that's significant? Because when Jesus was on the earth, most people knew about him, but he was one man. And so they didn't really have the opportunity to have relationship with him. You can know about the word of God, but what changes you is relationship. I know we talk about that, and I used to get so excited about it, but I had no clue what it really meant. I didn't really fully understand it until I got more and more. And this is the point. Peter never got out of the boat because he knew that God had the ability to keep him on the water. Peter got out of the boat because Jesus looked at him and said, Come. He said, Come. What changed everything was the personal invitation. To know that God is capable of doing a whole bunch of things is wonderful and it's important because it gives us context. And the more you know about God, the more more will grow your expansiveness of who he is. It's important to have that knowledge and understanding. But it's the relationship that's going to move you to a place to step over the side. All of them knew what God could do. They were all disciples. They were all trained. They were all experienced. They were all people who had been taught by Jesus himself. Why did Peter do something different? Because Jesus looked at him and said, come to me. When Jesus, when, when the God speaks into your life and he says, you know what? I want you to pray for them. There is a boldness and there is a security that comes from knowing. If he said that I need to do that, something's going to happen. Let's go and see what happens. The problem with it is that we've had this idea and we have these concepts that we try to live to and there's nothing wrong with them. Lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Yes, that's right and it's important but it doesn't mean that you go around laying hands on every single last thing. Why? Because it's not all going to get born again. We, We are led by the spirit of God. What did he tell you to do? Jesus got to his own hometown and he's like, I can't do anything mighty here because of who you are. He didn't sit and say, well, it's too bad for you. Come up here. I'm laying hands on you, getting you healed. We led by the spirit of God. What is it saying? It's relationship. It's relationship. What it's saying is when we get to that place where we understand and we have connection with him, when we have connection with the Christ on the inside of us. When we can hear the Holy Spirit's voice, it changes everything. Because he begins to give direction to our life. He begins to introduce us to things. He begins to extend invitations to us. He begins to open opportunities and, sit and say, I'd like you to go and do that over there. What ends up happening is, what I'm doing is, I'm allowing the life that's on the inside of me to give me direction. To open my eyes. To order my steps. And to move me to a place where I'm motivated by him. It's relationship. What is relationship all about? You and me in communion with one another. Our ability to be able to communicate with him becomes fundamental. How do you have relationship with someone you can't hear? How do we have relationship with someone that we cannot see? I'm not talking physically, I'm talking spiritual stuff. It becomes important and significant in going forward because there are a couple of things that I would like to say to you. If you forget everything else, jot these down. Number one, God is looking for doers. God is getting to the place right now where he's like, you know what? I have a healthy church. I have a whole bunch of people who know a whole bunch of stuff. Now I'm looking for a whole bunch of people who are willing to do some stuff. He's looking for people who are prepared to say, I see who you are and I hear the invitation. I'm stepping over the edge. He's looking for doers. Secondly, understand the purpose of the word. It's not to build up my knowledge and my intellect. The purpose of the word is transformation and to change me. The power in the word is to do something on the inside of me so that I become and I get closer to my destiny to be conformed to his image. Because who I am and what I'm all about is the person that I begin to live from. It doesn't mean that I do it. The invitation was extended to Peter. And Jesus said to him, come, It was personal in nature. And because it was so personal and so directed at him, he was like, Jesus, I know who you are and I've seen what you've done. And because you're calling me, I'm having to take a step over the edge of the boat. He didn't sit and say, but let me show you what I can do. Hold on, everybody. Let me just see if I have a grand enough faith to be able to walk. He didn't say that. He said, you called me. And so I'm obedient. Obedience. If you love me, you will obey my why? God is not He's not a taskmaster into obedience. What He's saying is the reason that I speak about love linked to obedience is because obedience is always to be a person who has a positive disposition and attitude to invitation. All of the others said thanks, but no thanks. Peter said, I'll come. Peter had the encounter, not the other disciples. What positions us to have an encounter with him is obedience. Be active in developing your spiritual senses. We want to amass knowledge as opposed to building senses. I think that there is a place To start investing. And how do I communicate with you? You hear the voice of God. Perhaps you just don't recognize it. I know that that happens because Jesus said it does. He said, my voice hear my sheep. Uh, My my, my voice hear my sheep. (laughs) My sheep hear my voice. What he didn't say, okay, well some of them do, some of them don't. If you're a sheep, you're a voice hearer. The problem with it is we're not always able... To distinguish it from our own. And the thing is because he doesn't speak audibly. We think every time that we have a thought it automatically comes from us. And it doesn't. And part of our spiritual journey and part of our spiritual maturing is being able to become discerning. So that I'm able to sit and say that's me. That's of my initiative. That came from somewhere else. Where did that come from? It becomes so important to be able to hear his voice. Because listen to this. Your faith is built on invitations, not doctrine. Your faith is built on invitations, not doctrine. Faith comes by hearing. The word hearing there is rhema. Rhema is the spoken word of God. When Jesus said, come, that's what he heard and that's what he acted on. When we have our senses spiritually attuned to what God is saying, you will hear his voice. And when you hear his voice, you will be quick to obey. Why? Because I heard it. I know he said something to me. We're moving into the most exciting time I believe that the church has ever been in. And we get to choose whether we want to step over the edge or whether we want to sit in the boat. I was going to pray for people but Kevin got there first. I'm excited about where we're going. I'm excited about what God is doing. It comes a time in everything where God says, "Okay, enough of games. Okay, who wants to go forward? I'm tired of rowing to the other side. Anybody want to get out of the boat halfway? It becomes more incumbent on us than ever." Because the, the world is looking to see him. They don't want to hear about him. We want to take the word and beat people over the head with what the Bible says. And they're like, I hear what you're telling me, but I don't like what I see. Yeah. I want to talk next week about how you were designed to be conformed to his image. How we as human beings are designed to do that. I want to speak about what it means to have the great one living on the inside of us and how that's transformational. I want to speak about the fact that it's not my will, but him that gets done. I want to speak about the reality of what it is to live with the God of the universe deposited inside me. I don't think... That where we're going is going to be defined by Sunday morning church. Where we're going is going to be de- defined by pervasive encounters of walk- water walking. It's going to be defined by people who sit and say, I understand and I suddenly recognize my purpose in life. I'm here to introduce kingdom. And because I go into every space being kingdom-minded and with kingdom vision and with kingdom disposition, I'm always at a place where I might even necessarily have to be intentional. Have you ever run into something and you go, it's not right, it has to change? You'll recognize it in those spaces. That's what I believe is happening. It's lighting a fire at grassroots level, which is going to burn And where people are going to turn around and sit and say, I saw him. It was a living epistle. It was Jesus, but it was him. Jesus lives in Walmart. And the gym. (coughs) Father, I just want to thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you love us so very, very much that you're interested in who we are. I want to thank you that you just want to be a part of our lives and because of that you've poured yourself out into us. And the invitation that you extend to us with regularity throughout every day is exposing and revealing aspects to who you are and inviting us to embrace those and to live from that space. I want to thank you, Father, for what you're doing in the body. I want to thank you for igniting people. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're charging people right now. I pray that you build within people, Father, a hunger for who you are and a desire to step into all that you have for us because it's nothing short of amazing. I want to read you something just before you leave. Donna doesn't know about this. I would ask that you just sit in your seat. And you close your eyes. And just listen. When David... Was thinking about God. And he was thinking about how God thinks about us. He penned something. And it speaks to us about how much he loves and values you, and how significant you are in his life. that you play it's not about doctrine it's about relationship Psalm 139 Lord you know everything there is to know about me you perceive every movement of my heart and soul and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. with with your hand of love upon my life you impart a blessing to me this is just too wonderful deep and incomprehensible your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength where could I go from your spirit where could I run and hide from your face if I go up to heaven you're there if I go down to the realm of the dead you're there too If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere bringing light into my night. There is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, Skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd ever seen the light of day. The number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you're thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly. In your every thought. Oh God, your desires towards me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I wake each morning. You're still with me. Never for a moment imagine. That he's not always thinking about you. Everything he does. Is initiated with the intention. Of you getting to know. How much he loves. And thinks about you. And because of that. He wants who He is to touch and affect every part of who we are. Amen.